I know this isn't a great time, and it's too bad about Marco, but what about me? You're talking about Sparta? Brendan, please. You got a better chance of starting a boy band. The movie mixtape. My name is Dirk. Hello. How are you doing? Are you alright? Joining me, as always, she's PNC Park. She's Sixth Street Bridge. She is Pittsburgh. <laughs> she is Marcy Dale. How are you, Marcy? Hello. Did you write that down? <laughs> you knew I wrote you know I wrote that down because I lifted <laughs> up a piece of paper before I started saying it. Or did you come here and didn't tell me you were here and you were doing <laughs> I went on a uh, sightseeing tour of your city. You were done in an hour. Um, but I'm good. How are you, Dirk? I was done. I, was that? Was that? I feel like that was an insult somewhere. No, um, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. There's there's stuff you can do here, but I'm just saying. Like, if you wanted to, you could do a ducky tour. Do you know what a ducky oh, tour is? I, is it when you go in like a bus that? It goes on land and water. Yeah, it's a ducky tour. <laughs> <laughs> we we had those in Liverpool as well. Oh. I just plunged into the Albert Dock. <laughs> and joining the two of us, he is the family man with a dark past. He is the fighter with no backstory. <laughs> he is my brother. He is Mikey P. How are you, Mikey P? God, what an intro. I feel like you need to call out my weight and height and where I hail from. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw that you were wearing your underpants very high up your abdomen, <laughs> and you just looked like a fighter, so it just felt correct. Ever since I watched this movie, I've been working on my traps since, like, nonstop. <laughs> Tom Hardy as my inspiration. Did you Have you caught many critters in those traps? <laughs> <laughs> oh just walks around like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is Hello. Gosh, I got distracted then thinking about Mikey's traps for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) This is us. This is the gang. Hello. We're the movie mixtape. This is the third episode in our sports mix. Marcy, you picked this episode, didn't you? Uh, Yes, but I I did have to ask Mikey if he would let me have it. And we all know Mikey is a good person and a good friend. And he said, sure, you can have this. So thank you. <laughs> so what what is the film that we're going to be talking about later on, though? What is it? So we are going to be talking about 2011's uh, or 2011's Warrior. Thank you. Thank oh. you for correcting yourself. That mm-hmm. is the... Not 1979's The Warriors? So this was, we're you made this Warriors. joke at the what? end of the last episode. <laughs> oh, come on. Nobody heard it. <laughs> That's why I'm saying it again. Listen, I listen to every single thing you say. All right? I heard it, and I went to bed that night laughing because of it. And I'm going to go to bed night laughing too because of that <laughs> joke. Uh, so this is the sports mix. This is the third episode. Have you listened to the movie mixtape before? If not, I'll tell you all about it now. We're three wonderful friends, all of us very good looking. 
Um, we are doing this podcast, which is based around the idea of the old-fashioned mixtape when you would share music. But instead of sharing music that you love, we're sharing movies that we love. And each four episodes are based around a theme, and the current theme is sports. And so far, we have done Looking for Eric about Eric Cantona and English football. We have done um, White Men Can't Jump, which is about basketball. And now, Marcy, true to herself, has picked the most violent sport in the history of the world and has gone for mixed martial arts <laughs> mm-hmm. and the feature film Warrior. But we'll get to okay. that in a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. You two okay? Uh, yes, I have a Kaya update. Um, so she's waving, which you guys just recently saw, and um, high-fiving. I'm very proud of that. And I've taught her how to stick her tongue out, so we're doing really good over here. My job is done as a mom. Just saying. I think in, you can basically order food in America with those three <laughs> gestures, <laughs> can't you? I think you stick can do a tongue out on the, on the phone. Here in America. Uh, <laughs> you can run a business. <laughs> you can run for president, <laughs> basically. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you could be on Wall Street. You could be the wolf of Wall Street. Marcy, with my those little wolf three puppy gestures. on Wall Street, the the prequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I've just thought um, this is mm-hmm. the first episode we're ever recording in the year 2024. Congratulations, guys. We are in the future. <laughs> How are we all feeling about that? Yeah, we'll see. Are you okay, Mikey? Yes. How was your Christmas? This is our first episode of 2024. And I'll say I, something crappy happened to me. Not crappy, but just this is uh, we have a Kai update about her, about your daughter growing up. And I have an update about my son because this what I feared was that ever everything that he asked for. He moved for, to Denmark. I wish I did. Was ta- I was talking about like his Lego obsession. Yeah. And then this year I um, got him Legos. And then uh, he was saying, Dad, can I get. Super Smash Brothers. And then, uh, so, like, all, all he did, like, most of Christmas was, like, playing, like, the Switch. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you want to build? He's like, yeah, yeah, I will, I will. And he moved on to the video games. And I'm worried that this Oh, happened. my goodness. I'm worried that lost the Lego magic and we're moving on to... to all right, well, I have picked up good. the Lego magic. So send him whatever he doesn't want, <laughs> I will take. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You do. You got the Hogwarts castle. Where are the, right. where's the progress picks? Logan has uh, passed it through osmosis to Marcy. <laughs> Symbiosis osmosis. I mean, I'll play no, Smash no, no, Brothers, I, I, I'm too. just worried. <laughs> Why don't we, like, name? Smash Brothers Lego Night just say, oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. Whoa. We should. Set this up? <laughs> I, I, think, I think Logan's fine. He's, yeah, yeah. Christmas can fun. be overwhelming. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want a day off, don't you? Mm-hmm. You don't want to keep doing your job. And let's admit it, his job is a being a Lego master. Mm. So he just needed to chill with the eggnog, play a bit of Smash Bros <laughs> with you and the the Famalam. Um so that's that's fine. So that you got the Smash Brothers on the Switch. On the Switch, yeah. And I'm actually mm. amazed that they do anything other than cuz I think about Dirk when you and me or all of us like when we were growing up if we had any of this stuff around oh, yeah. I don't think I would have get anything done. I think yeah, I'd yeah. just be consumed by watching youtube for 14 hours or something too just like a regular kid (laughs) 
Well, I constantly have to remind Betsy that I can, I know what videos she has watched on YouTube. So I will just walk in and go, what are you watching? And she'll go, oh, slime. And I go, you know, I can check that. (laughs) Yeah. And just walk out. Just got to put the fear in every so often. And then I sit her down. I sit down and go, let's look at the videos you've watched. And it'll all be slime, 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 gymnastics, gymnastics, slime, slime. And then it'll be like, somebody jumped off a cliff and nearly died and going, what is that video? <laughs> oh my gosh. It just, it just came up. It just came up and I just pressed it by accident. <laughs> yeah, right, Bets. So I Gosh, I hope I can finally go to the movies this weekend. We've been trying to go to the movies for a while now and then either babysitters have been getting sick or just it hasn't been working out. So uh, we would really like to go see Iron Claw, but I think we're seeing poor things tomorrow finally so mm-hmm. everybody cross your fingers that it happens because i would really like to go to the movies <laughs> so that'll be nice mm-hmm. yeah that's and, my um, update i forgot i forgot i watched iron claw mm-hmm. at, in the theater a mm-hmm. packed theater by the way theaters are mm-hmm. back it's, it's making good uh, money yeah good more for money those than, guys more money than carrie von eric made in his wwe career probably <laughs> Oh, that's satire. That's That's a bit of satire for you. Laugh, cry. Laugh, cry. (laughs) (laughs) We were there to look behind the red curtain. Marcy, you alluded to it last week. You sort of said you told us what this episode was going to be in advance because there was talk that we were going Mm -hmm. to do an Iron Claw episode for Sports Mix. But thanks to the oceans between us, that is not possible (laughs) because Iron Claw is not out in the UK until... February, so I am unable mm-hmm. to see that movie. I tell you, I have been enjoying. Mikey, you went to see it and obviously liked it, but our good friend Brandon has been on a mythical oh, quest yeah. within his soul oh, yeah. with this movie. If um, anybody out there knows our good friend Brandon or following on Letterbox, something's just happening. Something's just changing inside of him with this film, and it fills me because I, Marcy, I've shared my reservations with you. <laughs> about this Iron Claw movie and the story of the Von Erich family and how I don't really want to watch it because it's just going to be very, very bloody sad. Um, but Brandon seems to have made this connection. Um, Mikey, what did you think? Was it super sad or is it okay? It was super sad. I'm trying to put on Brandon's uh, hat here because Brandon does have like a, I like what he um, maybe gets obsessed about. Like he has a big Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he's the president of the Arnold Schwarzenegger fan club and he, um, which I like, and that makes sense because he. It could be just like how we grew up. It's like the big, uh, muscular guys, the wrestlers, the the heroes, the superheroes in real life. And I think with this movie, it is really well well made, and it doesn't really focus so much on. Even though it's mostly about centered around wrestling, it's really about the characters and the interaction between them. So I think um, seeing, I could definitely see seeing this movie multiple times. And I think it does leave some ambiguity where, and some spirituality where maybe it's like, it does leave me thinking more. So I could see where, where how Brandon, I'm speaking on behalf of somebody. Brandon, call in. Let's give him the number. Call into the show. <laughs> Tell us about your Iron Claw journey. Brandon, Mikey's saying that you love movies with lots of people with muscles in. Is this true? Has <laughs> he correctly synopsized uh, what you enjoy about movies? As long as he's got muscles in. Is that what you like? <laughs> but it was good. I found myself. Uh, I mean, Zach's a um, a specimen, but 
uh, he did bring something to the character, but I found myself in my review. Was it the haircut? The haircut didn't change. So the, at one point, he, they say he's 40 years old, and I'm like, he looks like he's in High School Musical <laughs> 4 right now. But he, um, so I wouldn't have known that from, from watching him, but he is in phenomenal shape. My problem was that he, he has a very uh, stoic performance, kind of reserved, there's a lot, holding in a lot of emotions. But hmm. there are some, obviously, some really dramatic, like emotional things that happen. I just felt like I just wanted a little more, a little more from him. And I found myself frustrated. That's just my nitpick. I see. My nitpicks on that movie. Other than that, I mean, I could go on and talk about it. We were hoping to uh, talk about it on this this pod, actually. uh, Well, maybe we we will, just down the road. Yeah, maybe we will one day. um, Out of solidarity of Dirk not being able to see it, that's why I'm seeing poor things, hopefully. (laughs) That's (laughs) going to be my excuse. Well, you got to support Emma, though. Emma, I Emma's love Emma. Emma I'm so excited to see Poor Things. I heard it's it's basically Barbie 2.0. So we'll see. They oh, get, really? Get a bit of Frankenstein vibes, is it? It is based Ooh. on Frankenstein, yeah. I didn't even know that, Marty. And I've mm-hmm. just seen the trailer and I've just plucked that out of my brain. Should I be writing for Variety <laughs> magazine? Is that a thing? How. Can I get that job? I love how when I haven't seen a movie but like can tell you something about it, I get criticized. But then you're like, I should be president of the world because I knew this one thing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so- Marcy, when you tell us something you know about a movie, it's that the guy in the background was also in a movie <laughs> that was filmed in Pittsburgh in 2003. That's what, what I've said about what what I've what said is I, I thought <laughs> that it reminded me of Frankenstein. <laughs> I think it there's is. a bit of a difference between those two bits of I knowledge. I see no difference. I just want to say. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know mine was fact. I was just thought mm-hmm. I was offering something that would engage more of a conversation with you. And it has, I suppose, in a way. But just in a way that you shoved a spear through my side at the same time. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. You just welcome. popped your shoulder a little bit. You know how it goes. We've had uh, we've started twenty twenty four in a really good way. We've um the we've got builders in and they're digging up our entire house. Good um, lord, what? Yeah, it's real good. Plumbing? <laughs> What's going on? No, well, to be, I'm, I'm acting like it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise. Oh, we okay. asked them to come round, you know, and do it. Uh, so we're having a bit of a building work on the house. Uh, it's going to go on for quite a long time. And I, who knows if it's going to affect my recording booth. Because right now, as I'm sure Mikey and Marcy can see, I'm in a soundproof room, <laughs> um, sat in a very comfortable armchair with the most finest of headphones on. But who knows if that's going to be affected by guys digging up our driveway and sticking in portaloos and stuff like that. <laughs> At the minute, all that's happened is the girls go outside and at varying different moments point in, at the ground and go, Dad, there's a great big hole in the ground. <laughs> there's water in the hole, Dad. Wait, that, what, is, what is this? What is it? What's going on, though? They're building on... We're, we're expanding some of the room sizes. Oh, nice. Because nice. Okay, yeah, cause when we got this house, which is a lovely house, but we got it without knowing we would be a family of four. Mm. We thought we'd be a family of three forever. Um, and we are a family of four now, and so um, we're ex- trying to expand with that expanding horizon. But it took a lot of time to get here, and now we've got lots of water in lots of holes outside. <laughs> and um, 
Betsy, the thing that fascinated Betsy the most was one of the builders asked for a black coffee with sugar. And she came in shaking her head. He wants a black coffee <laughs> with sugar. I don't understand. Uh, what? Do people drink black coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People drink black coffee, yeah, yeah. Why don't you drink black coffee, Dad? Maybe I'm not as big a guy, big a man as he is out there. He's digging holes for a living. Okay, I sit down for a living. That's why I put milk in my coffee. Don't judge me. Sometimes if the coffee is slightly warm and not and not really hot, I will drink it black because I don't want to make it cooler. But that's just that depends on time more than anything else. She goes out there and she asks them if they want anything to drink. Oh, she loves it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so hospitable. Mm-hmm. Hello, mm-hmm. sweetie. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially the most important mm-hmm. job when you've got builders in, right, is to ask them if they want cups of tea on a regular basis and hopefully therefore they won't find problems that cost <laughs> thousands more pounds than was originally agreed so we'll fill them full of that's tea. exciting maybe mm-hmm. we put some uh hole pictures in in the <laughs> mixtape ig stories well god knows we need content for that bloody ig <laughs> hey i almost I keep, I keep inappropriate and i'm glad i did it so I was said yeah, no, show. It was an window. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, what if we had whole mix? <laughs> hey, do you know what we could do in Yeah. Don't do you know what we could do? Do you know what it works? You could fit all sorts of things in whole mix. You could put across the spider verse. Mm-hmm. Oh the whole guy. You could put everything everywhere all at once if we hadn't already done it. Whoa. There's so many things with whole mix. Write it down, Marcy, put it in the oh, top. Shit. I don't want to be the have one that suggests whole mix. The movie Holes? With the, the movie, movie Holes, the book, of course. The classic. book is way better than the movie. Sorry, Mike. That but one with uh, Kira Knightley and Thora Birchin. That movie's terrible. What is it called, though? It's about a hole, The right? Hole. It's just called The Hole. Yes! <laughs> Ooh, four movies right there. Oh, we're announcing our mix now? Massive <laughs> surprise mix. Whole mix. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god fucking fantastic um any anybody got anything they want to talk about i feel like i've commented that segment um marcy what's going on with you i already said what was going on with me i'm good me and my baby if there's anything else you wanted to talk about me and my baby having a good time and me just trying to make my way to the movie theater life you know (laughs) well hopefully next episode we will have an update on marcy's journey to the movie theater i can talk to you about my hole and we'll find out if logan has returned to the world of legoing <laughs> we hole updates from <laughs> but we can we can put holes to one side for a second and we could move on to some movie chat do you want to do some movie chat i i think it's time <laughs> yeah I love when Marcy says, I think it's time, because that means it was time three minutes ago, <laughs> and we should have got there already. <laughs> so we're doing, uh, the film is Warrior from 2011, directed by Gavin Cooper, starring, is it Joel Edgerton? Edgerton? Joel, Joel Edgerton, yeah. Edgerton cool. and Thomas of the Hardys, and of course, Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. There we go. Good job. So I've introduced it now. So over to you, Marcy Dale, to provide us with a synopsis of the movie, please. All right. Fairly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through this without laughing, but we all know that's not going to happen. So my synopsis 
for warrior. <laughs> already done. Already okay. failed. Not even said a single word. Already <laughs> failed. All right. Let me try again. Ah, uh, no, I'm just screwed either way. But, uh, <laughs> I wonder, I mean, if you know, I think you know where this is headed, right? I you wonder if know. I know where it's headed. <laughs> I wonder if I know. Um, dads, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Always, always making you do stuff like resent mm-hmm. your brother for 14 years. <laughs> 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 Leave home with your mum and move all the way to Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> Consider alcoholism. <laughs> introduce them to one of their granddaughters, but not the other, because you realize having them meet the first one was a mistake. <laughs> <We're in fun>. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Regretfully ask them to train you so you can fight something. Ignore them in public as they're calling your name because you pretend not to know who they are. Make you want to punch your brother really hard in a final MMA fight because your life, your dad, your bad luck has just piled on too high for too long and you're about to let it all out with your emotions through your fist. Let it out. Dads, am I right? They really have an impact, pun intended, on us. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my synopsis. Beautiful. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you've never listened to the movie mixtape before, you may wonder why we're all laughing at terrible dads. <laughs> well, just because we love terrible dads on this podcast, we really and we seem to gravitate. <laughs> we seem to gravitate towards movies featuring terrible, terrible dads. God. <sighs> breathe now. Breathe. Mm-hmm. The dads, am I right? Is out there in the world. Dads, mm-hmm. am I right? Thank you, Marcy. You're welcome. But it's your pick. Mm-hmm. This is your mm-hmm. pick. This is your movie. Um, I, there was, I was kind of watching it, and there were obvious things in it that I thought, yeah, this is Marcy. This is a Marcy pick. But also things I thought, oh, this is not a Marcy pick, this. I thought it was a interesting one for you. Do you want to tell us what was going on in your brain when you were picking it and why um, the sports mix? Well, I really love this movie. I, I'm interested to hear why it isn't a me movie. Um, I don't want to give away all my cards just yet. But uh, a big reason, kind of, I think a big reason you picked Looking for Eric was it was filmed and it's where you're from. And this movie is filmed and where I'm from, which is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, they don't really show the city that much. They talk about it a little bit. But what I like about this movie is it really captures the spirit of the people I feel like here. Like, we're really stubborn we have a lot of pride. Um, we we don't ask for help. And if we do, we're, like, really, like, annoying about it. <laughs> so I like that. It really captures that, I feel like, with especially the three main people. Even though Joel Edgerton, quote-unquote, lives in Philadelphia, all of his scenes are filmed in Pittsburgh. Um, he is from Pittsburgh originally, so I think you get these two really tough hmm. Pittsburgh boys. And um, Oh, jo- not like Joel Edgerton. Yeah, he's from Pittsburgh, though. They're, they're, they're both from Pittsburgh, but he moves to Philadelphia oh, he, to get away from his Sure, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I like that um, neither of them sound like they're from Pittsburgh. So Tom Hardy's obviously British. Joel Edgerton's Australian. I think Joel Edgerton does a little bit better than uh, Tom Hardy's doing something. I don't know, but um, I'll get into this movie. 
it might be bigger now than like when it was being filmed, but at the time, uh, this was actually filmed in the summer of 2009. Uh, so like Inception hadn't even come out yet. So nobody knew who Tom Hardy was. Uh, Joel Edgerton, mm. the biggest thing he had been in was the Star Wars prequels. And I, he wasn't as big as he is now either. Nick Nolte may be the biggest person in this movie. Uh, but I remember them filming this the summer of 2009. It was my first summer back home from college. And my boyfriend at the time uh, didn't have a job. He had just graduated college. And uh, he found out you could be a movie extra and get paid. Uh, and that's the first time I had heard about this. And I found out about this film company we have here in Pittsburgh. And there's this big tax break in Pittsburgh uh, that people get when they film here and um i was just seeing all the things he was doing um so he dressed up like a soldier sometimes he dressed up like he was in the crowd for the mma fights and it was really cool and like eventually eventually like uh a couple years later i started being in movies as an extra but i only knew about it because of this movie um and seeing him and everything so like actually like when they're quote unquote overseas like in the war uh, they actually, where that drive-in is, where they watch the fight at the end, they actually filmed those scenes at that drive-in on the gravel there <laughs> and everything. So it's, Wait, can you see I, him in this? I don't know. I, it's actually so funny. Um, when this finally came out, we had broken up, and I didn't want to see it because oh. of that. So oh. it took me a while to actually watch this um, because of that. I don't know. I never have seen him in it. But, what about you? Uh, you ever, I'm not really looking look either. <laughs> so, uh, but I try. I was gonna try to be an extra in this. A bunch of actually people from my high school w- were doing it too that year. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I got chickened out and didn't do it. But I did do it like years later for a couple other movies, and it is really fun because they do pay you, they feed you all day, you meet the people in the movies. Trust me. Um, and. It's really cool to see, like, you know, things like that get filmed. Like, now there's obviously, like, bigger movies that get filmed here that you don't get paid for. Like, when they film The Dark Knight Rises, it's like, all you have to do is say, hey, who wants to be in the new Batman movie? Um, Wow, Tom Hardy's been in Pittsburgh a couple different times now that I think about it. (laughs) And so, um, it's just fun. It's fun that even though you know behind the curtain, like, what's going on um, and where they film things... I don't think this movie looks bad. I don't think it looks unbelievable. Um, so like they're quote unquote fighting at Atlantic city um, in this tournament, but actually the tournament was filmed at our, it's called Peterson event center, which is funny because we were talking about the university of Pittsburgh, their basketball team when we were talking about white men can't jump and that's where they play basketball. So it was in our, our, our basketball arena basically for our big college football or college basketball team. Sorry that that's where they filmed all the MMA fights, but they look it looks huge. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when they do big crowd shots like that, they do have a lot of people, but they just film them in one section, have them go to another section and then another section. And then they just kind of like make it like a copy and then they fill out the whole thing. Um, And it's just the same group of people throughout. And uh, yeah, it's just really fun. That drive in is not open anymore. I did go to that drive in back in the day. It's now a gas station, unfortunately, which is BS, but we still have our other drive-in. We had two drive-ins like about 10 minutes apart from each other, to be fair. But um, it is just fun to look back on things 
And you do get a nice shot of the city in the beginning when like Nick Nolte's driving by. I love my city. Um, I like that it's showing like maybe not the nicest part of it, but I think that's like we're a very blue collar town and I think it shows that very well. Like I said, the stubbornness, the pride. And where that all stems from. So I'm not sure what neighborhood exactly. I do know that the high school that Joel Edgerton works in um, is in the North Shore, which is like more towards the city. And so I'm guessing all the houses were more towards the city, too, because sometimes they film in like neighborhoods. Um, It's really cool. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that have been filmed in Pittsburgh, and it's always fun to go even if you're not in it, just go check it out and, and see the different things. So that's just my little personal bit. I think they actually waited till the star power increased on one of these guys before they released it because they didn't release it until 2011, which is the year after Inception and Tom Hardy had blown up at that point. Um, but yeah, that's just me sharing my sh- like thoughts on that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about the um, the the star thing because i was reading watching an interview with with gavin o'connor the director and uh, he said he really wanted people that he'd never heard of apart from nick nolte obviously and i hadn't realized marcy what you just said that this is even before inception with mm-hmm. with like tom hardy because we, we just tom hardy's tom hardy now isn't he you know, yeah he's, he's almost a he's almost a caricature of of him himself these days and this is obviously before everything but you pick they pick Phil they pick Pittsburgh sorry um for the, exactly the two reasons you said <laughs> tax breaks was the <laughs> big reason that is the reason because it was going to be filmed somewhere else but he had this beautiful turn of phrase in this interview he says there was a a working class poetry to Pittsburgh that really kind of um, established the exact characters and the exact people that you wanted to tell the story mm. about I think that's what you were saying right. Yeah, that was. I didn't know that's why they picked it, um, this location. I mean, other than the tax breaks, that would be my guess. But no, that's just how I, I feel like this movie really captures that. So that's really cool to hear that that was a big influence on everything. I think I saw that same interview, Dirk, because I think I was kind of turned off. Usually I love behind the scenes stuff, but like this one was kind of turning me off for a reason because he was just like, why we had six weeks to prep for this movie. It was going to get shot in Long Beach, California, and then yeah. it was tax rebate in, in Pittsburgh, and it sounded like they couldn't afford any actors. And they, yeah, I don't know, pretty, they seem very business oriented about this. Yeah, movie. he's a he came across like as a kind of a. I, everybody spoke very highly of him, but I didn't warm yeah. to him watching the this, yeah. this interview. He came across quite clinical and quite, cold which is surprising and quite because there's so much heart as well. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, right. But there was, it was so much heart to this movie that I was actually surprised mm. that he was very, uh, I don't know, business oriented about in the in this behind the scenes at least. But it he might did not write have it, even been his about, choice, though, Mikey. It might have been like the producers and you know, yeah. like uh-huh. once they got Go to once Lionsgate, um, yeah, um, got hold, yeah, which is the the production company, I guess, Marcy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the, but he did write it about something yeah. personal, which is about like him and his brother who have the same situation where he, he lived with his dad and his brother lived with his mom and, and, and separate houses. So um, this was like a personal thing for him. Everybody seemed kind of new on this movie, too, like they were doing the cinematographer with something. So I, I think that's what actually added when to the movie, too, is like everybody. It felt like a startup mentality in terms of people wanting to make something. And it, and it seemed more like. You know, people working longer hours, the cinematographer, just because 
this was their, you know, this is their shot, and everybody was kind of going for it. And I think they got extremely lucky with who they casted in this movie too. I think they were mm-hmm. um, some amazing performances that would have this idea going back to this time too. There was some kind of MMA was to me was blowing up. This is when I was way into it back in 2011, 2010. And there were some other movies, MMA movies that were kind of gimmicky, kind of like, uh, let's make MMA is hot right now. Let's make an MMA movie. And there were some that were really just like testosterone filled kind of that's in the furious type of MMA movies. So this one was like, I, I kind of expected that when I first watched this back then, but I think with sports movies and in going back to white men can jump, I think if you're making a sports movie, the best thing to do is not really focus so much on like have compelling characters because the sports are going to get outdated. My one nitpick with this movie is that they sort of fall into MMA. Like they used to do it and like, they were like, Oh, I can just like kind of be a teacher and I can kind of just not train at all and just kind of do it with like in six weeks and then go to like an MMA tournament. Where nowadays, like these guys are the greatest athletes in the world, and there's no there's no indistinction between these MMA fighters. And um, this came out, I think, at like the perfect time. So that's saying though, what was really strong about this movie was was really the the I think how they told the story, how it like unfolded. And I think that's why it'll have legs going forward. I think what because we is start so... off and we, we go ahead, yeah. I was just going to say, I think, like, when this movie starts, you already know where it's headed, but the payoff is so good (laughs) that you're like, even though I know where it's going to be the two of them fighting, I don't know. I don't know what they did. I don't know. I don't know if it's the acting. I don't know if it's everything else, but this movie is so powerful to me that it didn't matter that you knew exactly. I think you you knew who was going to win, too, and... I think this movie's magic. I really do. It's like just very. Can we very save powerful. that talk for a little bit? Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We'll just just to get to that because that's a big mm-hmm. talk, right? That is a mm-hmm. big talk. Um, this Marcy, this is an absolute prime example of a movie I would never have ever watched in my entire life. Hmm. Ever? Did you hear it? Did you kn- know about it before? Yeah, I kind of know about it. Just as you're flicking through the streaming services and you see it, but like okay. I don't think I, I probably look at the picture and go oh, that's tom hardy but it's not registered in my brain you know i don't really okay. know know anything about it i was so, so i guess when i sort of said before i could see why you picked it pittsburgh and then as we as some other conversations will come up there's a real heart to this film and mm-hmm. that you know i can see that but then like i would never pick to watch a film about mma M- mikey you know you you sort of said how like you were really into the sport turns me off somewhat rotten mixed martial arts like um i'm a a big wrestling fan but i'm not a fan of um boxing mixed martial arts and just to see guys being knocked out and then continually being hit on the floor until the referee steps in it makes me sick and it makes me uncomfortable i don't know it's just something in my constitution so i've never really gotten into that that side of things so i've never watched a film about mma um so but i'm watching it for you marcy <laughs> so i'm sitting down and i'm firing it up on my screen and i've got my pieces of paper because i know i'm only going to get one time to watch this film and i know i'm going to have to make notes and the and it starts and we see your, your dad nick nolte and then we see his youngest son tom hardy tommy so dad is paddy nick nolte's paddy 
Tom Hardy's Tommy, and Tommy comes home, and we get this this the the impression that they've not seen each other for a long time, which I think is about fourteen years or something like that. In fact, we see we see Paddy the dad leaving an AA meeting. Actually, don't we? That's how the the mm-hmm. movie starts, and the movie's gone five ten minutes, and I'm like, oh bloody hell! I'm not writing any notes, and I've and I've got it's got me already. This film, like within <laughs> the first sort of, I don't know what it was about it, whether it was the um, the sort of the soft the soft slow characterization the the kind of the, the the thing that was so um male about the communication and just <laughs> how it was so felt so you could you could grab hold of this father son conversation and you could you could imagine this being a real dad and a real son and you could, you could quite easily even not knowing the backstory which we later find is the dad um, was a drunk and he, you know, abused the mum and they, the mum and Tommy escaped and they left. Well, they didn't leave, but the other son was stayed behind with dad. And we find all this out later, but even not knowing that I could well believe this son has not spoke to his dad for 14 years. (laughs) Yeah. And just Mm -hmm. knowing how sometimes these relationships go and certainly relationships of that generation of dads of that generation and communication is not a forte. <laughs> Maybe I'm generalizing there, but that's no, my experience yeah. and that, that's what yeah. I feel like. Um, so I was really in. I was really in from the beginning and Nick Nolte with his little flat cap on. Um, <laughs> I just was enamored um, by that from the start. And I didn't, and it didn't know where it was going to go. I honestly didn't know where it was going to go. Oh, really? Um, oh, wow. And because... I had a feeling it was going to go sour. At some point, this movie was going to go sour, and I wasn't up for that. (laughs) I was not in the frame of mind for something really bad to happen, and I just kept thinking something really bad is going to happen at some point in this film. And so I was really kind of, I was a bit like squirming in my seat at, at various different moments. So I didn't know. Obviously, we've got the, you've got the archetype Rocky movie, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that we were necessarily going to follow the structure of that. And I thought, and we don't, get, we, and I'm not saying it does follow it straight as an arrow, um, but I was worried, Marcy, from the beginning. Okay. And I wrote down at one point when I wrote down here and I underlined it, I hope nothing happens to this marriage. And then I put exclamation <laughs> marks because God bless Brendan, who is Joel Edgerton's character and his wife, Tess, who's played by uh, Jennifer Morrison. Whoa, bloody Nora. What a great marriage that is, apart from, you know, the lion and stuff. Um, but they, <laughs> they're, they're what, and what a nice family. Because mm. when we see Brendan having his face painted at his daughter's birthday and all that sort of stuff, that's, yeah. again, I thought, like, you that's there, like, I thought of you Yeah, there. well, I, I thought of me there too. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like, I mean, that, but it's a contrast to the modern dad, right, Mikey? The dad, mm-hmm. like, um, where we we're happy to have our face painted. I've been walking around with blue toenails for the last few weeks, <laughs> you know, because they've been painted. Um, so we're happy to be involved in in our kids more actively than perhaps the dads of a previous generation were. And it's a beautiful, beautiful contrast there right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think this movie does such a good job at laying down the groundwork for you to get invested into yeah. these people. Because if you don't have that 
you're never going to care about the rest of it. It's, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. It's people screwed. are fighting, whatever. But it's like, no, you really want not just Brendan, but you want Tommy to succeed. They've, I, I really like to Brendan. I like that you do see him as a dad and a father figure and what a good husband he is because he's learned everything that his dad has done. And as I think like sometimes bad things happen to us, sometimes even with our parents. And it's like, you just know in your heart, like, I'm never going to be that. I'm going to be the opposite mm. of that. And I think I think this movie does a really good job at showing like that. That's Brendan's determination. He is so determined not to be like his father and to fight for his family, fight for his home. Um, he doesn't want to go back to MMA fighting, but that's like, I think this does a good job to it. Even like what the economy is like over here now. And even though this movie's over 10 years old, but you know, it's hard for some people uh, financially. And sometimes we are working two or three jobs, some people, you know, to keep their house. And, you know, sometimes you have to do stupid jobs, like, like, he has to fight to make more money than a being a bouncer like you know he has to literally put himself on the line to just keep his family going but he's the type of guy like that's what i mean like that's the pittsburgh mentality where it's like if this is gonna save my home if this is gonna keep my girls fed if this is gonna do everything to protect my family's well-being then yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and it doesn't matter and um i know like tess has issues with it and i can understand why she would but i like that they do kind of work together um jumping a little bit ahead when she shows up at the end finally it's it's really nice I, and I yeah. Feel, yeah i feel like he's got that sort of still he's still got that old um patriarch in him hasn't he and he can't mm-hmm. shake that and i think he is trying to really be a modern dad but there are things when he slips back into it like no i'm doing this and he sort of says no i'm yeah. doing it and it would be nice if you could support me with it so there's like a bit of a conversation but it's it's not a shared discussion and Tess mm-hmm. has to kind of put up with it. So you can see him sort of slip back in now and then, but it never never to the extent that it that it um rubs off negatively, I think. It just shows he's a, a flawed a flawed individual. Like you say, mm-hmm. he's I think was it you, Mikey, who said or oh, oh, Marcy, that the desperation and that you're just desperate uh, uh, for something. Um and he's desperate to save the house and he's pragmatic and this is the way he feels he's 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 going to do it. So just to give a little brief synopsis summary just before we go ahead. So there's the two brothers, there's Brendan and Tommy, and there's the dad, Paddy. So Paddy was the drunk who abused the mum. Tommy left with mum. He's back. But you also find out there's he's not very good at sharing what's happened to him. We know he's been in the Marines. We don't really know exactly what's gone on. He turns up at a, a gym one day and um, spars with a very good MMA, MMA fighter, knocks him out. And all of a sudden that propels him to this competition there's a big competition looming called sparta winner takes all five million bucks brendan is fighting in car parking lots for some extra change loses gets suspended from his job as a teacher because of it and then suddenly he is put on this path to entering this competition as well so the two brothers are meeting together at this competition when they haven't seen each other for whatever 14 years yeah they don't yeah they don't actually see each other in the movie until the competition i do like that you do get a a nice training montage too as well i feel like movies like this you need the training montage i think it's done really well it's different because it's like a couple different boxes going on and it's progressing the story in in a smart way i feel like it's just really good storytelling that you really 
care about both of these brothers and to the dad to an extent. I think you feel sorry for the dad, especially like you were talking about that beginning conversation when Tommy comes home and he's drinking and taking pills. And I think his dad just looks at him like, I am the reason my son is like that. You can tell he feels a little guilt um, for that. I, I want to mention After Son because this movie, they're very different, but After Son is a very low budget, small movie like this. But After Son, you know, Paul Mescal got an Oscar nomination out of this little small movie. And actually, Nick Nolte got an Oscar nomination for this movie. And I think it's really cool when this small little, like, the little engine that could, you know, it has a big breakthrough like that. It's such an achievement for a movie that was filmed two years prior that didn't have anybody, you felt like, at that time. And then it just, word of mouth was it was really good. And that was one of the reasons I ended up finally watching it was I just had heard it was so good. And when he got nominated, Nick Nolte was like, oh, I can't believe that movie that, was so small like got an you know it's just always like sometimes the oscars are total bs and it's awful and it's so political and rigged but then little things like that where it's like nick nolte is genuinely giving a really great performance in this movie and that this movie gets a boost from something like that i think is really cool so that i just wanted mm. to mention that as well talking about nick nolte um and talking about some of the things you guys talked about were there's kind of two fights going on and a fight kind of draws somebody in and you want to see the outcome of it going forward. But what was going on was a, a, like an emotional conflict and the way the story was laid out was sort of it worked backwards where we're drawn in because obviously, like Dirk said, we know Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte have conflict. We don't know why. and we, It kind of gets spilled out over rounds of the movie working backwards while the progress of the fight the actual fighting moves forward um so this is like the the meeting point of both of those conflicts going on at the same time i think they got really lucky with tom hardy because he has to portray somebody that's really tough which he does i, I mentioned his traps i mean he he's got the size I, I you said he doesn't have a good pittsburgh voice i'm i honestly didn't know he was british for a, until its inception like i didn't even know that because i thought he was just i had no idea i don't really you know didn't look him up or anything like that but Marty i thought he dies did, right now but the thing that he did really well was that as tough as he is and as somebody that's very intimidating he portrays somebody that's like a little boy inside that you just want to hug and he has this vulnerability about him where you could tell how bad he's hurting even if you don't know why and i don't know who else you could like cast in that movie um, that could pull that off because you could easily go one way or the other. You're too vulnerable or you're too intimidating. And I think he balanced it perfectly. I don't know. I don't know how. Hmm. Do you know, I kind of got from it a little bit of that. So I, I love when, um, when something I'm, I'm reading or watching or whatever has a Moby Dick reference in it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know what this movie's talking about now. It's talking about obsession of some description. And um, so I love it. I love it when it's on the nose like that. So as soon as Moby Dick kicked in in the first couple of minutes, I was like, bingo, I've got an idea. Um, but he was the white whale to me in the end, like because he was so... Um, he barely spoke. He was a force of nature. He comes in 
he, he mm-hmm. knocks somebody out and he leaves. God, I love and that. No music, great. no sponsors. No, I love nothing. That. So you cool. Know? And he, nobody knows who he is. Well, none of the press can can find anything out about him. And he's not sharing any information about him. But in a way, I guess Brendan's chasing him. Brendan is chasing his brother and his relationship. And it kind of felt to me at the at the end, which we'll talk about more in detail later, but that performance that he gave, I thought I was all the way through. I'm thinking, well, what is the obsession? What, what am I supposed to be getting from this? And is the obsession about the the fight? Is the obsession about, you know, Brendan being drawn back into the fighting mm. just to make money? Is the obsession you know um the relationship with your dad but i just thought in the end he was the white whale to me he was mm. he was he was the entity he was the leviathan that um brendan was trying to to capture all the way through i don't know whether that's right but that no, was just that's my great. interpretation i, love I, really love it. I, love I it. i've never thought of it that way but i, I really love that and i just want to add something about tom hardy's character is there's a shroud of mystery to it where you're like he's acting weird like he gives his Hmm. dad's address but wants nothing to do with his dad he's going by his mom's maiden name and then i like that you understand more why like there's different reasons and whatnot and then he really has nothing to lose and i think that's you can see Hmm. that in his fighting um why he doesn't care you do find out why he wants to win the money which is really cool Mm -hmm. um i think i i like that they both have very important reasons to want to win that money Mm-hmm. and really he's just like a loose cannon like he he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him he doesn't care he's just in there to go keep a promise you know basically and i i really like that about his character yeah i think my feelings about his storyline evolved as he went through so like initially i thought oh he's a wall that that's what i thought at the beginning oh he's huh. a wall and that. then huh. Um, and then, and then, no, they duped me, and I thought, oh, he's not AWOL. He's just shying away from all the attention because he it's it's somebody somebody in the Marines sees this video of him knocking a guy out on YouTube and goes, "That's the guy that saved my life." And so, all of a sudden, it gets out in the press that this fighter Tommy in this Sparta tournament for five million dollars is this hero, a Marine hero who saved all of these people. But we do later find out that he was actually saved these people as he was AWOL walking away from the army because his friend was was murdered in friendly fire and he'd, he'd had enough. And the promise that Marcy was talking about is a promise he made to his friend's family that they was going to provide for him. So this story evolves over the film and it did trick me quite a few times. I thought I knew where it was going and, and it was just subtle. It wasn't like big, like kind of cloak. Uh, smoke and mirrors and stuff but it just evolved at a nice interesting pace that kept me um intrigued through it so i did think like the the storytelling was was kind of pitch perfect in terms of mm-hmm. in the way they sort of unveiled different aspects of the character like brendan at the beginning we like literally the first shot like we talked about he's getting his face painted at his daughter's birthday party and he's got like a, a, he seems to have a perfect family life and then we find out he's I thought, oh, he's a bouncer. Oh, but no, then he's not a bouncer. He's actually pretending to be a bouncer and he's engaging in these fights. Oh, and he used to be in UFC. You know, and (laughs) these little layers of the union get unveiled very slowly and gradually and we don't get it all at once. And it feels organic, doesn't it? And it feels Mm -hmm. like you just know that little bit about them. And then we find a little bit more and it just propels us onwards. Yeah, I really love um, when they first get to Atlantic City and they see each other 
and it looks like Brendan wants to go talk to Tommy, but Tommy gets up and leaves. Which is a great point too. They haven't. Yeah. We see the two brothers in parallel, but we they do not have any interaction until we get to the. I thought it was just another great, like an hour. Which I thought was a good decision too, because you see those two brothers for the first, they're running parallel stories, but they never have interaction until we get to Atlantic City, which I thought was so cool an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. You do get Nick Nolte Patty, the dad, going to see Brendan, and he's like, mm-hmm. Tommy's back. And, and you yeah. get, you get to see Brendan's resentment for his dad too, where he's like, and you find out that Brendan stayed behind when Tommy and their mom left and, Brendan was like, you know, I stayed for Tess, but also, like, I thought I'd finally get you to myself, and here you are, you're mm. training Tommy. So, like, you see where Brendan's resentment for his dad comes as well, and how the dad is still dividing them, even though they haven't seen each other in 14 years. Mm. And then you get this great scene um, of them two, like, the two of them finally seeing each other on the beach. And I really love that conversation. Um, that they have and that like you know Tommy doesn't know anything about his nieces he doesn't care that Brendan stuck around Mm. to be with Tess who he ends up marrying or you know um, and then or Brendan didn't know anything about his mom being sick and Tommy's talking about like how he had to bury her and it's just this really heartbreaking scene and how much pain they both have but they haven't talked in so long that they don't know how the other one's feeling. And um, mm. I really do like the moment when like, he's like, you're my brother, Tommy. And he's like, were you in the core? Like, I don't think so. You're not my brother. Like, you know, you weren't mm. in the Marines with me. And um, I just, I love oh, God, that. When he says, See? why are you showing me pictures of strangers? You're showing me pictures. He's like, here are your nieces. And you're I don't know me these pic- people. Yeah. Mm. You're showing yeah. me pictures of strangers. Oh, I, I like that. They both sort of have, um, they both believe the other person is at fault. The both of them mm-hmm. are like, um, I think at one point Brendan says to Tommy, "I I forgave I forgave you," and he, he spins around and he says, "You forgave me," you know, like that. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. I went, I left with Mom like we agreed we were going to do. You were the one that stayed. And there's just like, but it's such like, I don't know. No, none of them are a heel, right? None of them are the mm-hmm. bad guy in that. You you believe both of them acted in the way they thought was correct at the time with no malice but there's such venom and between them despite everyone having good intentions just you know that it did not end well um at all at all Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm just curious because so i'll uh, reveal some things um so i always talk about resumet i always talk about andrew garfield but if if i am being honest joel edgerton is right up there with, with those guys for me i I have no idea. I in what just, way, I'm in, Marcy? In I what just, way? Like, I am so in love with him. <laughs> I think I think he is my Samara weaving though, because when he's Australian, and two, I will watch. He's not in like some really great movies, and I will sit through them. Um, but I just was curious what you both thought of. I think to me, Brendan is the heart of this movie. I know Tommy. Uh, I don't know, like maybe Tommy's the soul and Brendan's the heart of it. But what did uh, I'm just curious what you both thought of the Joel Edgerton performance, or were you just like, yeah, it's it's not like how can I, I go am first? With him. Can, yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, let's, we should have a sounder for here's Mikey being stupid because uh, it's been a while, and I saw oh Joel Edgerton. I was like, wow, this movie came out in 2011. How old is this guy? He looks so young oh. in like The Kingsman and stuff like that, and he does a voice and sing. I'm like. <laughs> And I got him confused with Taryn Edgerton, I realized. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mikey. 
Mikey. I will disagree. I think Joel, Joel, he was perfectly casted, I think, as like a school teacher slash somebody that can hold his own. I will say Tom Hardy, his performance and this character is one of the most compelling characters, I think, in a sports movie that's ever been done before. Really? So, Marcy, Mm -hmm. feeding into your Joel love, I just think um, Brendan and Tess are one of the most good-looking couples I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) flipping life. You give me a reality show with those two, and I am watching it. Bloody Nora. Um, I would have stayed for Tess as well, Brendan. You made the right decision. <laughs> I'm with you, Marcy. He's he's the heart. Um, and so you were talking before about, oh, you know how it's going to go. You know how it's going to come down to the two of them. I did not know that. Can I tell you what I thought was going to happen? Yeah, I thought ahead. I thought um, Brendan was going to get killed. I thought he Ooh. was going to get killed oh, wow. in the octagon. And I was genuinely fearing. I'm like, this is right. This is the most unrealistic movie I have seen <laughs> in a long time. The, you're having this, the having the most expensive MMA tournament in the history of the world, and somehow a school teacher who hasn't fought <laughs> properly outside of mm-hmm. car parks is somehow finding his way in. You're not telling me that guy isn't dying. He is getting his, <laughs> his getting his head dropped. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I honestly thought. I, my stomach was churning. Mm-hmm. It was churning every single oh. time he stepped into the ring, right? Mm. And I thought he was going to die. In mm-hmm. every single fight, I thought oh. he's dying. This is the one where he dies. And then oh so he gets, he gets, and he, and it doesn't help that in all of his fights, it's kind of like bloody rope a dope or something. And he's mm-hmm. just like Spider Man the entire time, getting his ass kicked. And then eventually <laughs> comes back with a submission move to, to get someone out. But then when he gets to, so he gets through his first two fights and you have to win four fights and he gets to that third fight and he's fighting Kurt Bloody Angle, the, <laughs> the Russian machine. And, and he turns around in the audience and there's Tess. He wasn't there the first day and she mouths, I love you. I'm like, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. is going to die in <laughs> this fight and Tommy <laughs> is going to avenge his death. That is what happens. And I'm like going, don't you bloody do it. Don't you bloody kill my Brendan. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, Brendan was um, the thing I was most interested in. Yeah, Mainly hoping that he did not die. (laughs) I I thought Tommy was, Tommy is, oh, it's difficult for me with Tommy because he was so brutal. He's so prickly. Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean in his fights. I mean, he was so brutal. And that did that did take me back a bit in in terms of my mm-hmm. uh, affection for him um but yeah so yeah well i like that I they wanna... showed the two different fighting uh, styles too like not yes, just not just I their like cuz mm-hmm. going to Joel Edgerton i actually did think the mma stuff was fought was filmed pretty well like the one of the first fights you're talking about he fought anthony johnson who's a real life mma guy and he fights another guy later on Nate Marquez and i've seen Anthony Rumble Johnson like destroy people in real life and so it does seem like the fight actually goes that way where he gets his bucket even against Kurt Angle he gets his ass kicked but he wins with <laughs> he wins with like some of those those submissions which I thought was kind of that's, cool that's how he gets through and where where Tom Hardy kind of just powers his way through <laughs> so that's why like I was talking about like why I feel like this movie really captures like the spirit of a Pittsburgh person because there's such a determination. There's like this underdog feeling 
here sometimes mm. and like we do impossible things maybe sometimes and i think it's really well one i just want to mention that koba is played by kurt angle kurt angle is from pittsburgh uh pittsburgh hero legend you met him several times um you know like who doesn't know kurt angle here um so i think it's cool that they had him in the movie and i I think it's very important. Like it would have been fun to see Tommy fight Koba, but it is so important to see Brendan fight Koba because Brendan is the one that has to prove himself. Tommy has that video out. Tommy's from the Marines. Everybody knows and how he fights. Like he has been knocking people out, Mm. but it's Brendan that has to fight Koba. Who's like the big bad, like the one that everybody, like it's his first American tournament and everything. And I, I, I am sobbing by the time he beats Kova because I think Joel Edgerton's <laughs> performance is so believable of just somebody who is so elated for winning <laughs> this fight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just love yeah. his reactions at the end of it. it. It's so powerful to me. And I think that's where he's the heart in it, too, because he's just so emotional or just like when he is getting his ass kicked and Frank Grillo plays his like trainer. And he's also called Frank. So like Tom Hardy's Tommy, Frank Grillo's Frank. Um, <laughs> and Frank's like, you're going to lose your house. You want to lose your house? Tap out. Like, you know, and he kind of puts him in his place and yeah, he just that. needs needs little things like that. And and it's just the but, energy like. like well, you could read it both ways, up. though, couldn't you? That bit, Marcy, you could read that both <laughs> ways, because that was one of my favorite bits of the fight. Mm-hmm. It is either motivation or is this reality check? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and both of those would have been fine to me at that moment because I really were like, no, Brendan, you better stop now, yeah, because you will die in this final round. Because what does he say? Are you here to win? Because if you're not here to win, I will I will throw the towel in right now. And, and you can leave with Tess, yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. And it, and I think Tess is a big part of it for me as well in terms of I believe her and her fear, mm. and I can yeah. I can sense it and i know that she feels the same as me in a way that he's got it done <laughs> i feel like we were kin at that moment because i'm like i'm with you tess he is not leaving this octagon alive oh is he gosh. at all <laughs> how have you let him go forward with this fight and frank mm-hmm. that is not an appropriate thing to be encouraging your your school teacher to be entering a five million pound uh tournament yeah i he think that's where though. i kind it's, of... it's, it's joe edgerton um, so the main guy was Marco and he hurts himself and, and he's like, you put me in it. And he like, you know, yeah, like it's that, it's that yeah, underdog yeah. mentality. It's that I'm going to fight for what I need to do for my family. That's why I love this character so much. I really think he is the heart of this movie. I just think he just has the passion and the determination to do what he needs to do to, to get it done. So I think what I, um, what I see about Brendan was that he won. He just keep winning out in life compared to Tom Hart, Tommy, where he has a great marriage. He has the kids. He has the house. By the way, that house is in Philadelphia. What's a house in Philadelphia cost? Because that was a beautiful house. And I can't imagine in Philadelphia like that would be. A- but also, Mikey, lest we forget, mm-hmm. they had to pay a lot of medical bills because their second yeah, daughter needed right. heart operation that's too. Right. I don't know. They could afford it at one point, and then they yeah. had to, thanks to That's American right. healthcare, they had to fork, fork out a load of what you might call books mm-hmm. to let their daughter survive. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how they ended up in that that situation, in it. Yeah. Before we talk about the main fight, there's two scenes I want to talk about that are um, 
really compelling to me, I think, was when Tommy comes into the diner to meet with his dad. And his dad this whole time is trying to be a real softy. He's trying to really win back his son, I guess. He's trying to he's he's a thousand days sober. He's really listening to um Moby Dick on tape. Moby and, Dick. Yeah. And Tom Hardy when he comes into the diner, he's like, I need a trainer. He no bullshit trainer. And they have a history of him training him to be like this all all American wrestler. And at one point when he's about to do it and they both agree to this, you see um, Nick Nolte switch into like what he was as a coach. And you could tell he was like a, a, a badass coach. And he, <laughs> and he even told him, like, I heard you when you walk in here, give me the pain pills, hands and pills. He's like, I know you got more. He makes him hand them over. And he starts giving like this regiment. You kind of see their history and you also see Nick Nolte doing maybe a pretty good job of of raising him not as a son but like as a as a wrestler yeah um yeah i love that scene and and this and the scene before the big fight i don't know if we want to talk about but um the slot machines um so we're in atlantic (laughs) city the brothers met up and they're both winning fights and probably the best scene in the movie was tom hardy's out of slot machine and um hmm I just was surprised you said probably the best scene in the movie, and you were talking about. All right, there's two. <laughs> this this sets it up. It's a, it's I'm counting this as one long scene. It's a, it's a slot mach, slot machine scene into like the the hotel room. Um, but the way Tommy kind of decimates his dad, who's kind of extending the olive mm. branch, even pleased with him, he's like Tommy, I am trying here, and he he says things to him like, "Where was this guy when I needed him? It's too late." I don't. Yes. This is exactly what you need to do, and it's done. I am done with you. I don't need you. Everything you're trying is way too late. Get out of my I, face. I thought that was a really insightful and savage line, isn't it? Yeah. I needed you when I was a kid. I'm a full grown man. Yeah. I needed this when I was a kid. I'm a full grown man now. Yeah. Or something. Some. I'm paraphrasing, but that was it, wasn't it? In a nutshell. And he just he just kind of um, rips down this whole his whole character. And saying like, "What? Since because you're a thousand days sober, I'm just supposed to forget all this stuff? Like, get out of here!" And Nick Nolte, and then then we come into the next day, and Nick Nolte is daytime, and he's shouting. He wakes up and he's shouting in the next room. And when the door opens, we see him drunk. He's been drinking all night, and we know he's he's an alcoholic. And he, and we see a little bit of probably what the brothers grew up in, grew up with. And he's listening to his, his tape and he keeps repeating the line, turn the ship around, turn the ship around, which obviously has deeper meaning. And he gets right up in Tommy's face. And that's the first time Tommy, I think, kind of shows a little bit of compassion for his dad. And they just kind of. Mm. I really like that scene um, where he holds him on the bed. Yeah. Yeah. And then 100%. he embraces him and he holds like, him on the bed and they're like, both. It's like. He's broken yeah. down. Yeah. He broke him. Yeah. I um. I don't know, just because, like, I have a tough relationship with my parents, and there's so much I'd like to call them out on and just be brutal like that. But I think there's just something with your parents where it's like there's a line and you don't cross it, like, no matter what has happened in the past, because they they are your parents. It's it's hard to explain. So, like, mm. in a way, like, Tommy really crosses a line by saying all of that to him. I think it is needed and necessary, but like, you know, he is really trying to make up for it now and and um he cuts him pretty deep and that's what causes him to, you know, relapse and drink again. I really do like though 
like when you were talking about the part at the diner, whenever um, they're talking to each other and Tommy's giving him some sass and he's like, okay, we'll get this through your thick skull. I'm not going to train you if you're going to threaten to walk every five minutes. And he kind of <laughs> like puts him in his place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was um, great. I, I really like that they get more time. Like he doesn't really do a lot with Brendan. It's him and Tommy, but I think he has more issues with Tommy than Brendan. Um. Sometimes I feel like being the younger sibling is, you know, like you don't know much or you don't understand it as much as like the older sibling with whatever the situation is. So hmm. um, I really like their back and forth. And then I I do love when he's holding him on the bed like that. He doesn't say, I love that this movie is like, I'm sorry, dad. No, it's him holding him mm-hmm. on the bed. And that yeah. is his apology. You know? Yeah. So I think that that takes us through to the final fight because i think if what this film is to me one of the big things about this film is it is about masculine repression of how you handle your bloody emotions Mm -hmm. and how you know like you said marcy he never says anything to his dad in that moment he just takes him and holds him and strokes his hair and 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 that's his apology or or that's his conceit towards tenderness and 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 then we come to the ultimate <laughs> form of male communication um fighting yeah two brothers yeah. who two estranged brothers who have only spoken once in the last 14 years uh, and that was what we said on on the beach are in the final of this Sparta fighting tournament brendan's got his ass kicked every single match and <laughs> has uh one with a submission victory. Tommy has um, knocked everybody out within seconds. Um, and both are fighting for their own personal reasons. And here they are, they meet in the final. Yeah. And I do like, too, that, you know, we we know earlier that Tommy is going by his mom's maiden name. So it's Tommy Reardon and it's Brendan Con- Conlin. Is that how you say his last name? I think so. Yeah. So we, we know they're brothers, but I love the payoff in the movie when they're like, and we just found out that the two men fighting <laughs> in this final are, are brothers and i i like that because yeah. of the reactions you see of everybody else they're like oh shit like this can is- you imagine you're the producer <laughs> of this fighting tournament and you're like what they're <laughs> brothers and your hands suddenly start rubbing together <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> i do love though when that fight starts like brendan does not want to fight him and he is like yeah. he just doesn't want to hit his brother. It's really tough. I can't imagine being in that situation. And Tommy is just trying to get out every last frustration he has, and uh, like he does a couple of cheap shots, and he is ready to beat before the, the fight crap starts. Though, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Before we get to the fight, too, is this the part because the other underlying storyline is is we know Tommy now is like a war hero, but then he tells at the slot machines, he tells his dad that he actually just stumbled upon it because he was going AWOL. So there's some shame to his heroicness. This is why he's kind of avoiding it all. But I I think this is the fight, maybe it was the fight before, but when he's like a, a war hero, um when the when the Marines are in the in the arena and they start because he doesn't come out to entrance music, but they are singing like some army song. I had chills and down going down my side. Like I thought mm-hmm. that was the coolest thing. The crowd gets behind Tommy. Out. I mean, that's why I think he, he's the fan favorite. He's the fan he? favorite. Like, I mean, they are mm-hmm. all buying into his story. They all love, they all are like hero worshiping him. Sort he of already like was, though, even like, before like, that yeah. military story because he was on that YouTube 
video and that's what got right. him into the tournament. And then there's the military aspect of it. And then also like you find out that he went AWOL and um, he's going to be arrested at the end of this fight. So he really, I think it just is the perfect combination that this guy has nothing to lose and he mm. doesn't care that he is going to fight his brother and he is going to win. We have win. established that. <laughs> we, he is going to win and he is going to keep his promise and I love that he has that attitude and then you have Brendan who is just like I don't want to fight you. Um, where's Pop? Because their dad is not West there because he just had the relapse, you know, and he's asking him, like, where is he? And, like, he's really concerned because he's like, something is not right here, you know. And and then it just, I don't know, it it's so choreographed well. Mm. It's so emotional. I am crying most of this fight because <laughs> it's just like, oh, God. And I don't know, I'm I'm an only child, but I can't imagine, like, you know, like, hey, you get to finally say everything you want to to your brother, but with your hands and your fists. <laughs> and you yeah. like get to, like, you know, like, I can't imagine, like, not talking to your brother for 14 years. And then it just all boils down to this. But um, what do you guys think of this final fight? I think I think it's, like, one of the best, like, choreographed fights I've ever seen in a, in a movie, if I'm being honest. I'll say um, I couldn't hit my brother. But. I think the one of my it probably irks me. It definitely the first time I watched this movie. Um, first of all, the national comes on that song, and like it, I thought it was going to be cheesy. Well, it comes on later. It comes on later. Okay. Well, this is what I want to talk about because in let's say round three, he breaks, he pops Tommy's shoulder out of it out of his socket. I think that's what happens, or he breaks the collarbone yeah. or something. He he. And normally, like Pops in, his shoulder. in sports movies, like Best of the Best or something like that, you see have a scene where they pop it back in. You've actually seen it in actual MMA fights where they pop it back in and they and they ha- and they continue fighting. Tommy doesn't have a corner; he doesn't have a team, so like he's just now his arm is dangling by his side, and he's still going to continue to fight. The ref's allowing it to happen, and Brendan even has a face like ref, like come on, like this is now it's like the fight's over. Like what are we going to fight? At that point, I kind of thought he should just refuse to fight his brother. And I think that's that's how I was expecting. And that's kind of almost like how I hope the movie to end. That they just hug in the middle of the ring. It sounds so dumb. And it's just a draw. And they split the money or something like that. But instead, what happens is Brendan then like says, all right, we're doing this. And he starts <laughs> wailing on his brother, his helpless brother almost. His little helpless brother almost. It's, it, I kind of felt like, is that the ending I really wanted? But I guess it's more but realistic. I don't think it's Tommy's love language to accept a hug in the middle of the ring. Just, and I think it would he would be seeing that as pity in that moment. In in that he's refused all form all all opportunities of reconciliation up until that point. And if he does it in the so yeah he you're the, saying the it better than follows. me because what I was going to say is like but I think like he's not going to listen to anything other than. He's just Tommy won't stop. Yeah, Tommy won't stop, and you have to stop him. And I think that's almost what happens, like a, a spiritual, almost like death, dying in the ring, dying in the octagon by your brother, and then he can move all that junk he left behind. Mm-hmm. Everything he was saying to him on the board, yeah. on the sand, is like now gone. It's it's, and now they can move forward in their in their relationship, and Tommy can move on with his life because he had a lot of baggage with him, and he almost had to like die. 
and you, you put it more eloquently than I was I was doing. You, well, the the fight the fight goes the ways they've always gone in this mm-hmm. film. Tommy's kicking his ass, <laughs> yeah. and Brendan's getting his ass kicked. But then he has a good move towards the end of the third round, a submission move that that pops his shoulder, and so he's done. And Brendan doesn't want to continue, like we've said. Um, and the fourth round is basically Brendan not really doing anything and circling him, maybe laying in a few punches now and then, but um, not really going in for it. And then he sits back down in the corner, and I think it's Frank, his his coach, who's like, "You've just got to, you've just got to put him away, or something like that." You've I just think got it's to... five million bucks. Let's go. Yes, yeah. And that's when he... the bloody sad dad's it... kicking. Mm. That mm-hmm. is when the national starts playing at the start of that fifth round. And Marty, I am in bloody bits yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> when when that when that kicks in, because I still honestly don't know that I really know what's going to happen because yeah. I'm I'm still unsure about this movie that it's not just going to play with my my heartstrings and tess is there in in the crowd and 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 i I don't know there was just something about you mentioned after sun earlier on and how it reminded you a bit of after sun and it really reminded me of after sun at this moment where we got that such incredible needle drop in after sun that just absolutely puts the exclamation point and says this was the film and we get that yeah. with this song here i think we get that with this song um about today i think it is mm-hmm. like the national yeah. And yeah. i was having a week this week and it really <laughs> spoke to me i wrote down the lyrics and i had to rewind it and listen to it a few times it said today you were far away and i didn't ask you why what could i say i was far away today how i've been this week <laughs> and you've seen two brothers fight each that, other and everything yeah, they've gone through yeah. that was what this yeah oh <laughs> sorry mm. i've had a bit of a funny week and yeah i don't know i just was so overwhelmed by it you know in a yeah. really lovely way not in a mm-hmm. negative way in that almost like not it i don't know if it helped me particularly with the week i was having but it <laughs> it, it was a reflection of what i was feeling at that time and mm. it, it offered me some comfort i guess in a way which was a total fluke a total fluke <laughs> um yeah. but it oh. works so well with this mm-hmm. film and I, and I and i have seen like a bit like in after sun where um you know once they settled on the idea of um the under pressure for the for the finale of 
of that film. There was nothing else they could do. And it was like with, with this film, he always had in his head, this was going to be the finale. It was going to be this mm-hmm. this song. And it's such an incredible song that I've never heard yeah. before. Huh? Yeah. And it's just, I think it is so powerful when Brendan has Tommy it's basically over and he's just going, I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm sorry. And it's for everything. It's not just for beating him. It's not for just popping his shoulder. It is for everything. And I, it just, I forgot how much, it's been a while since I've seen this, but I forgot how much I cried during this movie, especially (laughs) that last fight. And thank God, I am just so, I think this is a perfect ending. I think this fight is perfect. And thank God it's just them walking out of the ring together it's not like five months later oh i love you brother or something stupid like that it it's just like it was all leading to this explosion which is this fight it happens they make up in a way in in the best way that they can in their masculine way like you said and it it is just and i i'm so now i'm getting emotional damn it um but i'm so happy it was like there for you when you needed it because that's how movies are for me and i know it's like that for you guys too and like sometimes you just have a shitty week and you're like dang i wasn't expecting this to like be so impactful but it was and I don't know this movie so special to me and I'm so happy like we got to share it and watch it and I'm thinking about this ending so now I'm getting sad and like sad in a happy way I don't know how to explain it's such an emotional ending it is I I think this movie is like what I love about movies this is the little movie that had nothing going for it and it ends up being like one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life and I just, I think two amazing, actually three amazing performances. Tess, too. Jennifer Morrison's also really good. But the the three leads, just, I don't know. Like, none of them had anything to lose, really, you know? And they no. give it all in this movie. Like, so. I, I went down a mild rabbit hole with this song. Um, <laughs> and so I was kind of trying to find it um, and where it was. And it was on one, a really early EP of the National. But even the song that's on the EP is not this version of the song that's in this film. So then you have to find that it was actually a live version of this song that, because it's got this moment when that they, that they orchestrate beautifully with Tommy tapping out to the choke hold as when the music just crescendos and elevates. And at the same moment, they cut to Tess in the crowd and she just has this cheer that I feel in my soul. (laughs) She just does it. And it's just with the music. And uh, I must have listened to that song about 20 times since watching this, this film. (laughs) It's really, it's really, um, it's really, it's really affected me, I think. Oh my Um, gosh. I'm very grateful, Marcy. I'm very grateful. I just, I don't know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mikey, for letting me pick it. I don't know. I'm so happy. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I know Mikey loves it. It sounds like you really loved it. I don't know. This is just what movies are all about. And and it is as feel good as it can be in this type of situation. Surprised me with how feel good it was. Because like I said, he didn't, nobody died. (laughs) I thought we were getting an Ivan, I thought we were getting Ivan Drago. Is what I thought was going to happen, um, but we did not get that. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a bit like a strictly ballroom ending, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that, Marcy? Yeah, like we just, just like we we didn't get extra bits that we didn't need. We yeah, just got the bit that we you needed. got what you needed. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was it. Yeah, 
it lays the groundwork perfectly, just like Strictly Ballroom. It just, and it leads mm-hmm. up to this like grand finale, and it's like everything you wanted and, and more. Like, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I think Tommy just gets like the raw end. Like, I mean, here's it's like Brendan wins the tournament. He wins the five million. Him and Tess got to keep the house. They have the kids, and, and Tommy has to. Tommy, Tommy who's left with his mom see? to the West no, Coast. You see? His mom it, died it, recently. It and might. And then, like, in he has to go to jail, canon. military jail. I'm like, well, that's true. He definitely do that. <laughs> he just get screwed. In my head, canon though, you know, Brendan's not a bad guy. He gives Manny's family some money, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, that, that, I think that's what. I mean, that's why we give don't Tommy get money? it. Because, does he give Tommy any money? Well, he's I, got five million. I think he's it, he's not. He's going to be spreading it around. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like Tommy does when he gets a relationship back with his dad. That's the scene on the bed, and he gets a relationship mm-hmm. back with his brother. Yeah. Um, he finally gets the apology that he's wanted from Brendan. He finally, they can start over is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think this is like a, a perfect, perfect ending for a movie. I, right. it is not cheesy right, at all. Right. It is yeah. so mm. powerful. And if you don't cry during this ending, then are you even a human being? Is my question. <laughs> well, there we go. That is Warrior. Thank you, Marcy. Thank you, Mikey. We will shift from talking about men punching each other's lights out <laughs> into hitting some moves on the dance floor because this is the bit where we talk about our music mixtape and the three of us will pick a song that uh, that we thought about when we are watching this film or we think relates to this movie and we will stick it in the show notes and you, there's a link there to the movie mixtape playlist because we're a mixtape all-encompassing mixtape right here i'm gonna go first because marcy <laughs> went no mikey who went first last time i did but it marcy was mikey's first pick. last time yeah. yeah so marcy went first last time so i'm gonna go first so this episode uh obviously thinking about the brotherly aspect of this film and the supportive nature of them at the end, and the image of Brendan helping Tommy to the back, almost carrying him to the back. I have gone for the Hollies. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Oh, wow. Aww, wow. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Wow. I don't even know that song, and it's perfect. <laughs> he ain't heavy. My brother, so on we go. I know. I, I was thinking, hear do you know it. that song? They're a British band from like the mm-hmm. late 60s, early 70s. They're a little bit Beatles. They're obviously pretty big over here. I wondered how much mm-hmm. of an impact they'd made in America. But yeah, it's literally, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And it's, oh yeah, it's about um, their relationship. It's beautiful. It's a great song. I love that. Thank you. That was, I, I'm very excited to listen yeah, to, I that. Can't wait to hear that. That's, Bye. I'll go, yeah, because this is Marcy's movie. Um, yeah. I was trying to focus on the brothers, but I it kept um, going back to the song in my head and I said, all right, like, I guess this is where I'm going to pick because it's more about. I think Tommy and his dad is why I thought of this. And I, kept, mm. I guess I had Tommy on my mind. And then um, just that relationship with 
the day, even though he's come around now and he's sort of trying to win back his sons, I feel like there's a lot of unspokenness that we fill in our own heads about like the hurt that he caused and the, and the destruction they caused. And the song I picked is more about a daughter speaking to her father. That's a strange, and that's why like I didn't want to pick it, but ultimately I'm going to go with it. Martha Wainwright. Uh, I know the uncensored version, but it's B B M F A. If we want to censor, it's bloody motherfucking asshole, <laughs> and it's a story that she wrote about her dad, who uh, I guess she has uh, some conflict with. Um, but it's a sad song about how he kind of have unreconcilable differences, and and how he kind of really kind of abandoned her in real life, and their lyrics like and. Um, and you have no idea, no idea how it feels to be on your own, in your own home. And I just think, like, there's an abandonment there that never, uh, like Tommy was saying, like, it's too late. Like, you, you, I needed you for so long, and now it's too mm. late. And I think this song kind of embodies that. I love your, I love your, I love you, just, I love your relationship with Tommy and this affinity <laughs> you've got with him. No, I really, I do, I really love it, and how you, you, you've got this connection there because, like, I honestly, I couldn't connect, and to, to hear you, somebody that I love and, and enjoy spending all my time with as much as possible, have that relationship <laughs> is, uh, it fills me with joy. <laughs> I don't know that song, but I like Martha Wayne, right? Who doesn't? Yeah. I just want to mention, since we're talking about Tommy really quick, those are Tom Hardy's real tattoos in the in this movie. Oh, they look so fake. Wow. Mike, Mikey, no, on that video that we, we saw the interview, he, he was walking around like in the gym training, and I noticed he had those tattoos. Wild. And I was like, mm-hmm. did he put those on to go and train? No, Marty, no, you just told us. Real. They're real. I thought you were going to say those are his real traps because they look like they were computer enhanced. They they were like Brock Lesnar <laughs> size. They were unbelievable. You saw, you saw like I did. He they made him put on like about thirty pounds of muscle for yeah. that film because he came and he has no fighting ability. I thought they literally said he was not a fighter. Yeah. I think they said he is not <laughs> an athlete. No, Joel Joel was a bit of an athlete, but mm-hmm. you're like Tom. No, well that's interesting Useless. too. The director said he directed Miracle, which is good, and he said he found hockey players that could play hockey, and he just taught him how to act. And this one was reversed, where he needed actors and they could teach him how to how to MMA. Marcy Dale, this is your movie. What is your song choice? So I thought it was going to be hard, but actually I I got to pick one of my favorite songs ever. Um, I thought of oh Mr. Working God. Class himself, Mr. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> um, and where does I... this fight end? It ends in Atlantic City. So I went with Atlantic City by Bruce Springsteen. But it's more That's the lyrics. Uh, it really reminds me of Brendan and Tommy, just guys down on their luck trying to make ends meet, trying to do something with their lives. That's what the song is all about. Maybe everything that dies someday comes back. But you're 
The lyrics that really stuck out to me were, um, now I've been looking for a job, but it's hard to find. There's winners and there's losers, and I'm south of the line. Well, I'm tired of getting caught out on the losing end, but I talked to a man last night, going to do a little favor for him. And then I I love the chorus, and I know it's about, he's talking about a relationship with his lady or whatever, but for me, it's about the brothers meeting up for this final fight. It's going to sound a little weird, weird, but that's what I was thinking of uh, with the chorus. And it's about their relationship, too. So the chorus is, well, everything dies, baby. That's a fact. And maybe everything that dies someday comes back. Put your makeup on, fix your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. So it was just like their relationship is dead the beginning of this movie, but they're able to rekindle it, bring it back. And it's like, hey, get your war paint on. I'll meet you tonight in Atlantic City for this fight. So that's what I was going for with the song. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I will admit my... Uh, knowledge of Bruce Springsteen is limited, so I will <laughs> continue my education with that song. <laughs> the Boss, Bruce Springsteen. Boss. Mm-hmm. But you can have a listen to all of our song choices if you click the link in the show notes, like I said. And then why not go over to our Instagram, uh, which is the underscore movie mixtape. And what we do on our stories on the weekend, you can vote for your favorite song choice out of all of them. And it's just for fun. We don't win any prizes or anything, which is for fun mm, if you want to do we that. Do. Oh, oh, well, oh, you just haven't well, won this yet. Movie. No, I'm just You've won a couple. Maybe That's we, true. Maybe like we have like a belt. Whoever wins, we like mail a belt. <laughs> that would be amazing. A belt. Whoever wins, we, we'll it would take forever to ship between the three of us. <laughs> we would just have to keep it with you, Mikey, because you win most of them. Um, but yeah, if you go over to our Instagram, the underscore movie mixtape, you can also see all of Mikey P's awesome episode art. And you've shown us a work in progress for this. I, I don't know if that's the final thing, but it is flipping awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So can't wait for everybody else to see that. Thank you, Mikey, for doing the good work with all yeah, the Yeah, thank you. Art. And then why, why don't I tell you about our email address? If you want to get in touch <laughs> with the show, if you want to send us something in, we would love that. As I said uh, last episode, look, if you don't want to, write in an email and have something read out on air look you can just connect with us on the instagram as well and send messages or if you're in any discords that we're in and want to talk about any episodes that we've done then do just send us messages we're always happy to have conversations and we love we love just making friends that's what we're all about but if you <laughs> do want to email the address is the movie mixtape pod at gmail.com and guess what we got an email did we all right wow we did you can literally, tell I don't check. Just, we got it literally <laughs> about half an hour before I came on <laughs> from our good friend over at Seri Bimco Part 2 The Revenge. Uh, Timmy. Tim <laughs> Hamilton. Thank you, Tim. And his email is entitled Rosie! Exclamation <laughs> mark. So here he goes, Tim Hamilton. Just hearing your white men can't jump episode and your praise for Rosie. As you may know, Rosie lives down the block from me. What? Uh, no, I did not know what? that, Tim. What, Tim? Was she at Where the... do you live? Tim. Beverly she... Hills. What? Wait, was she <laughs> at that black party he had the other night? What, Tim? Oh. Did you watch Jurassic movie? Park with yeah. Rosie Perez? Tim, I need to know. Did George, o- did George O'Connor yeah. invite Rosie Perez round to watch Jurassic Park 
on your <laughs> massive projection screen. We want answers <laughs> now. <laughs> Tim, as if we know that. As if we know you live near Rosie Perez. <laughs> Bloody hell. Anyway, he continues. And we, and he's putting brackets, me and other dog walkers, used to see her all the time before her two dogs passed away. Well, that's, that's a sad end to that paragraph. Bloody hell. Um, she is very down to earth and friendly with all her neighbours. I have hugged I've been hugged twice by Rosie. <laughs> Whoa. And, and then he's put brag, brag, brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and he's put enjoyed to the show, which doesn't make any sense, but never mind. Thanks. I get the message there, Tim. <laughs> Speaking of sports movies, my first sports movie that I loved was Breaking Away. I don't know that one. Do you know that one? Breaking Away? Like a I hockey. don't. Yeah. I don't know that movie. It'll be a trap, mm. and it'll be something about JFK getting shot. <laughs> it'll be. Don't the, Google it. Mikey's Googling the, it. I see him already. It's the British Bake Off finale that you still haven't seen. <laughs> uh, and then he, then he, um, he finishes with suck on that uh-huh. exclamation mark. Tim. I love every time you, you hold up your phone, you have his awesome like drawing that's in his yeah. uh, signature. I see it. God bless Tim. Tim, 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 Tim. I can. Thank I you, just want to make a a promise right now that when I was on SETI Bimco a while ago, I found out that Tim had never seen Air Force One, and one day we will have Tim on this podcast, and we will be making him watch Air Force One. <laughs> it's all I want I think, to say. I don't want to speak for Tim, but I think <laughs> when Tim comes on this podcast, we we have to do a Star Trek movie that's just the way it is and then mm-hmm. okay. air force one mm-hmm. double feature okay we'll do two it's all two about episodes. it's all about aircrafts okay <laughs> 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 but that, that's our good friend tim yeah, from so. the city mm-hmm. bimco part two the revenge podcast with his co-host george and occasional co-host kevin Cablasto. we should go and check them out a very funny, very funny podcast. Check out his Patreon yeah. too. It's pretty fun. It's, it's not expensive, Ooh. and like uh, he has, he he's a cartoonist for the New Yorker, and what his Patreon is is the re- he call it, I think the rejected New Yorker cartoons, but they are really, and I'm not saying this because he's a friend of the pod or anything, but they are genuinely like really witty and really smart, and they're really fun. So I, I would recommend annoying, that. Yeah, that's the annoying thing about Tim. He's genuinely very witty. Um, <laughs> that can be hard to stomach yeah. at times. You know, really hard yeah. to stomach that he's so talented and witty. Mm-hmm. It's very annoying. I've been telling my son like... <laughs> Well, there we are. That's the end of that episode. All done and dusted. Round three of Sports Mix finished. We've just popped the shoulder of this one. <laughs> and um, we're moving on <laughs> to our final episode of this, which we've debated long and hard about because we did think it might be Iron Claw, as previously alluded to. It's not going to be. Okay, just get over it. That ain't happening. <laughs> so we're going to go back to what we know. We're going to go back to our shaker pick, our movie mixologist's cocktail shaker. Okay, you ready? All right, I'm putting it in the cup now. And it's the winner. It says watch stream. Marcy Dale. Watch stream. I won? 
You won. Marty Dale. Marty Dale. Okay, so my pick. Ah, uh, you know what? I I think this movie. I I have a couple ideas. I think we should just do something fun instead. Um, I'll save this other thing if we ever do something else related to it. I'm gonna go <laughs> with, <laughs> with 2000, and I believe it is one. Let's just do it. Let's do a Knight's Tale. Let's freaking do it. Oh, Let's do it. back where wow. we started. Started. Let's do it. It's been a while since I've great seen choice, it. Marcy. Beautiful choice. A Knight's mm-hmm. Tale. Fantastic mm-hmm. choice. You've Heck pulled yeah. that out of the bag where nobody had any faith that you were going to come up with a good film including yourself <laughs> but you did it a night's tale perfect yeah so there we go that's our next episode and the one rounding off the sports mix yes jousting is a sport look it up it's on the internet <laughs> and we will see you next time bye bye, bye for now pittsburgh action <laughs> Pittsburgh, her own voice. <laughs> so, yin, yins is a big word over here. Yins, suck on that, yin suckers. <laughs> nice. Yin. Mixtape is a podcast hosted by Dirk, Mikey P, and me, Marcy. Episodes edited by Dirk and Marcy. Show art by Mikey P. Our logo comes from Iron Tooth Design. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore movie mixtape or email us at the movie mixtape pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. About today. To losing you